Hi everybody, it's Jo here from the Jo's Art History Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just kind of wanted to jump on and quickly check in with everybody and I really do hope that you're okay. The world is a very strange place at the moment and I don't know where you're listening at the moment. I've got a lot of listeners in the UK and a lot of listeners in America and in Europe and I hope everyone's coping the best way that they can. It's There's a lot going on and I can only speak for having my own personal experience in Britain. It's quite frightening at the moment and I just hope that you're okay. And if you're not, that's fine too. I would just hope that you feel that you have someone to talk to and to reach out to. While this is going on, I'm going to try and keep making content as much as I possibly can. I was really, I was thinking about winding down the podcast actually for season one, but with a new wave of lockdowns and restrictions and Christmas just being non-existent in the UK anyway, I feel that uh, as long as I have the momentum, I'll keep going and I'll keep making things for you guys. Because even if it distracts you for an hour a week, then hopefully I'm doing my bit. Stay safe, stay positive, and we will get through it together. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Joe's Art History Podcast, a podcast which celebrates all things art historical every single day. It's episode 15 and on today's episode I sit down with the wonderful Kerry Curl, who is a UK photographic artist. Kerry is an immensely talented photographer and has a keen eye for vintage fashion, if I do say so myself, and you'll hear a little bit more about that in the podcast. On today's show, I sit down with Kerry and we talk about the British powerhouse that is Tracy Eamon. For those of you who may not know, Tracy Eamon is a British artist and she's quite controversial and is known for using a variety of media which includes drawing, painting, sculpture, film, photography and neon ticks, as well as many, many other things. She is incredibly important within not just British art history, but also was very pioneering in talking about very what was once considered taboo topics such as mental health, and also openly discussing very tough issues such as rape and abortion, things that even to this day are still considered very taboo subjects. But Eamon very much is a person and an artist who lays herself bare and she doesn't have anything to hide from people. It's her experience and that's how she chooses to communicate her experience through her art. Eamon is a Turner Prize winning artist and it's actually one of her Turner Prize entries that caught Kerry's attention when she came across it in an art book while she was working at a call centre. Some of you may have heard of this already, it's called My Bed and it still to this day causes quite a stir. This is an incredibly interesting chat where we discuss Emin's work, Emin's business savvy nature as an artist and also why we all probably should be a little bit more like Tracy Emin. Sit back and relax and enjoy as I speak to Kerry about the powerhouse that is Tracy Emin.
my first question really is, um, where did you come across Tracy Emin for the first time? Can you remember? So I came across Tracy Emin just purely by accident. I was working in a call centre. So I guess to add some context, so although I am a photographic artist now, I have spent 17 years working in call centres and I went to university at 37. I went to university quite late. Actually, no, I'm going to correct myself there. I have to stop saying I went to university late because I don't want to keep encouraging this narrative that if you don't go to university at 18 then you know you've either missed your chance or you're trying to play catch up hopefully it's i think 2020 is you know really making people think about you know um, how linear education needs to be or needs not to be so yes yeah, so i went to university at 37 so i don't come from an arts background i was always very interested in photography when i was at school but i didn't go to that kind of uh, school where anything like that was encouraged really so i left school at 16 and i had a kid at 17 so that kind of like took me into call centre work you know no one grows up wanting to work in a call centre but you know they, they are really interesting melting pots of people but it was incredibly mundane to say the least um mm-hmm. And I have always really liked charity shops and books. And I just came across this book in a charity shop and I took it to work with me to try and break up some of the mundaneness. And we weren't allowed to read at our desks, so I was covertly reading it under the under the desk whilst I was on calls. And I was just flicking through. I knew nothing about Tracy Emin. I just turned to this page and there was this picture of a bed. And it just really struck me. It just really hit me. And I didn't know anything about her being a controversial artist. I didn't know anything about the work. I didn't. This was kind of pre-internet days. So I didn't even really go and look further into the work. I just was struck by this picture um, and all of this debris and probably felt slightly relatable perhaps at the time as well and that's kind of how I discovered Tracy Emin pretty much trying to skive whilst working in a call centre I guess to summarise it. I think Tracy would love that if she <laughs> if she heard because <laughs> she's quite um she's quite mischievous I, I find her work quite mischievous and um, very sort of like you said there's a real sort of strong narrative that hits people with Tracy's work and I think the bed is, is a great example of that particularly I think when you're in that weird phase in your 20s and 30s and well it can hit you at any point in your life really where you don't really know sort of next steps to take and you can sometimes feel a wee bit sort of lost and I think that's why bed really sort of resonates with people as well just because it's you know it's an object we're all very familiar with and yet it's I don't know it's it's sort of peering behind the curtain of someone's exterior because you don't really see what goes on behind closed doors so to say. I think it's just such a personal space the bed isn't it you know whoever whoever's bed it is it's Tracy Emmons yours mine your neighbours it's a really personal space that you don't get to you know you don't really get to see and if you have guests to stay you make sure that the bedrooms are really nice and tidy and you know and you know well I don't know I won't tie you the same brush but I've definitely done that thing where it's like oh my god just open the cupboard door and stick everything in you know the room needs to look tidy so I just think to be able to look at all of this debris and really was controversial at the time so um so this is back in 1999 this piece wasn't it and it was um um part of the Turner Prize um which I had to actually look who won that year because I um it was Steve McQueen because yeah. I think the my bed installation and, and Tracy Emin as a as a person kind of is really associated with that year um so I had to actually have a look who did win it um because it wasn't Tracy Emin 
Well, but that's it because um, she got so much. Sorry to interrupt. She got so much um, like media coverage from it, and it really mm. was the thing that sort of drew everyone to the Turner Prize because everyone was like, "How is this? How is this art?" Um, but yeah, I, that was something I, I didn't Google. Actually, was it this year? Because she did win the Turner Prize eventually, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't this year. Um, but um, so yeah, the controversy. I did actually find some really a couple of really interesting quotes actually. Um, so the culture secretary, who at the time was Chris Smith. Um, so he criticised the jury for choosing what he called, quote, shock installations, which he felt gave the country a bad rep in the art world. And, um, and there was a, another one, which is probably one of my favourite responses ever. It feels like it needs to be like a strap line on an album cover or the back of a book or something. So um, someone said, it makes me so angry to see these so-called artists glorifying a messy bedroom. What is the world coming to? when a major art exhibition sends out this message. And that was said by someone described only as a mother who was interviewed oh in The God. Sun in October 99. And I just thought, sorry, mum, that's such a sorry mum thing, isn't it? No, I know, I know. It's so funny as well, because obviously um, Tracy is part of that group, uh, which is known as the YBAs, so mm. the Young British Artists, who, for people listening that maybe don't know, they really came to force at the end of, you know, the 80s into the 90s. And particularly round about 97, there was a huge big exhibition at the Royal Academy of Arts in London called Sensation, where Charles Saatchi, who very much championed these young artists, it was people like... Damien Hurst, um, Marcus Harvey, Sarah Lucas, Tracy Emin, of course. Um, and people were queuing out the door, but it caused a sensation to, like, quite rightly. And it really helped put British um, art on the map. It's really, it's really such a funny thing. But I, I feel even Tracy herself says it, that the bed, the longer people have had to sort of get used to it, it's probably aged better than probably what it was received at the beginning if that makes mm. sense yeah I know it really does well she talks a lot I mean her work is is really kind of um you know it's very autobiographical and confrontational and it's confessional and I think what I what I really like about her as a person is you know whether it's through her art or when you see her interviewed is that she is really inspiringly unapologetic um, mm -hmm. for what she produces and what her processes are and what her thoughts are so I just think to you know to take what is a very personal space so, the, so so it was her bed and it was complete with unwashed stained sheets and surrounding it were condoms and underwear and fag packets and there was period blood and you know this was showed a real kind of state of mind and a real kind of unhealthy physical space during a period of time when she was really depressed and I think we do talk about mental health an awful lot now um but I think it's really easy to forget that that isn't how it's always been. Um, so sort of certainly in 1999, I mean, my, my mother had like numerous mental health issues. So I, I can say, you know, coming from a place of experiencing it and living with it, that certainly in the 90s and, the, and in the 2000s, you know, people weren't talking about mental health. Um, and this work addresses so much of it in a time when, you know, it was something people didn't discuss. Certainly they didn't go into an art exhibition to look at it. And I just think that's really interesting. I think she's really forward thinking with a lot of the a lot of the work that she's made. So I think people often talk about David Bowie being a, a time traveller because of this kind of forward thinking and, you know, his uh, the way that he approached his work. 
um, being quite unafraid to be innovative. And um, and I just, for me, I think Tracy Emin really has that time traveller status too. I think, you know, dealing with things like mental health, you know, ex- expressing your emotions um, in a time when that wasn't what we did, um, you know, is, is ahead of the curve. And, you know, and it isn't just the themes of mental health in her work. It's always, you know, it's sex from a woman's perspective, um, and it's her use of language. And I just I just think she's a, a really interesting creative. And um, the, the breadth of her work is is and the materials that she uses is just is just phenomenal. No, I would completely agree. And I think um, I think she gets a lot of bad stick um, on the outside of things like um, that article that you sent me um, um, that we'll talk about a wee bit later on about her neon works and things mm. like the one that was in the Odin State Pankers. Like it's scathing. And I just, I, I, I must say, I, it wasn't really until um, I saw Tracy's most recent, okay, bar the Royal Academy one, which is happening at the moment, but obviously tier three lockdown, thanks very much, COVID. Um, so in 2019, I went to her exhibition at uh, White Cube called A Fortnight of Tears. And it was just after, it was a whole body of work just after her mum had passed away. But the work that really shook me and I don't know if, if you went to see it. I didn't know, so I'm jealous. Oh, it was it was actually the first time I cried in an exhibition and I had to leave because I was wow. just so like floored with how raw her message was, mm. particularly in the room that discussed her emotions and how she really sort of held herself once her mum had, had passed, this pillar in her life. But it was her piece... Um, it was called How It Feels, which is a video, it's a video piece about, about her having an abortion. And within the context of everything that was going on, I really, I walked out and I was like, oh my God, I get it. I, I get what she's about. And I understand. I just think she's incredible. And like you said, she's so forward thinking and unapologetic and she'll just lay herself bare. And that's, you can really, really get that with her. And I think the bed is something that's Again, every time I look at it, I see something mm. different. There's so many layers to it. It's not just this. It's, well, it's very easy to look at it and go, it's just a messy bed, what the deal? But if the more you sort of dig into it, like you said, you know, it's got all these, it's got this sort of very sort of manky, like dirty carpet. It's got all these, you know, condoms and pants and empty vodka bottles. And it really, you know, everyone can relate to to periods in, in their life where they feel you know despair and loss and I think this just completely sums it up without having to really say anything about it. I think as well you can almost just from looking at it even in a picture not being next to it and physical it's like you can almost smell it as well do you know what I mean yeah. it's like yeah. it, it just kind of like it's it, it if you can now I guess if you can kind of like just go with it it is a bit of a sensory overload you know it is it is more than just being a one-dimensional image in a book um so it is it is um yeah it's crazy and I think as well you know what people don't give um this artist enough credit for is that she left school at 15 um although I'm reading her book Strangeland at the moment which is just incredible um so yeah if anyone hasn't read that I highly recommend um reading it it's it's really it's really accessible and I say that as someone who I you know I'm still trying to figure out Susan Sontag um but <laughs> that's a really accessible book to, about her life um this strange land and it's great but she left school at 15 but she says in her book that she pretty much stopped going at 13 um 
and you know there's been a lot of trauma in her life from a very very young age and yes she did end up studying um at the Royal College of the Arts and gaining her MA in painting but you know she left school at 15 I don't think that can be underestimated about what an achievement it is to be able to then go on to do an MA anywhere never mind at the Royal College of Arts exactly notoriously impossible to get into yeah it's um I didn't know she left school at 15 I yeah think that's, it's that's crazy isn't it because she was born in Croydon but grew up in the seaside town of Margate mm. um, and she really pays so like you said there's been a lot of trauma in her life and she really doesn't hold back in anything she is very sort of she'll lay herself bare on a table for everyone to see and I think I don't know I think I just think there's something which I think a lot of people find quite shocking about that because it's like you said you know at a time where you, okay now we talk about mental health and you know and the Me Too movement and things that have happened like that but before that you really didn't talk about it and women weren't really given the space or permission to even sort of voice these things that were happened whereas Tracy was always very much no I'm going to it's happened and I'm, and I'm going to include it it's part of who I am it's part of my experience it's therefore part of my art and I think that's why she's so important and this piece is so um is so key within not just her sort of you know body of work but also within the history of art it's a real sort of turning point um for discussion and conversation it really sort of drew people to the tape to see it and um and then it kind of went on a little bit of a world tour it was in japan actually before it went to the tate um i don't know if you if you um if you know the the story that they almost destroyed the bed when it got to japan oh, with the performance they... artists yeah. <laughs> oh no that was at the tate oh, yeah so tight. when it was yeah 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 um the two people um what did they do they jumped on the bed or something yeah they jumped some performance artists jumped on the bed to um I guess yeah I guess be part of the art and, and join the performance and um yeah and it had to be kind of remade but no I didn't know about Japan god this bed has been on adventures it's amazing so essentially um, um I'll, and for anyone listening i'll leave a link it's um, a news night interview that she has and she talks about it going to japan so um when she made the bed it was first dis displayed there and when it got to customs because at this time she really wasn't a very famous artist and she didn't have a lot of money and something that i never noticed and i don't know if you have as well that there's also two suitcases behind the bed yes um, and i had and so I had never seen this until I was researching it for this podcast. I was like, how have I never seen these two suitcases? But she was so skint that she put all of her, all the little bits. So everything, she says it's kind of like a forensic sort of science investigation, but in reverse whenever she installs it, because everything comes in little bags. So all the fag buds and condoms and pads and whatever, um, everything's put in individual bags and then she was so skint she placed everything in the suitcases that are that are beside the bed and um, when it got to Japan when they obviously scanned the suitcase they were like what what is this art like is this artist still alive and they needed she needed a letter from the British Council and Nicholas Sorota who was the head of Tate at the time um, to confirm that it was a work of art and she was a living artist otherwise they were going to incinerate uh -huh. it so I just think it's incredible that 
um, it was nearly lost before its journey even really began. Wow, imagine if that happened. It's the proper slide. I always think of these things like sliding doors moments. You know, it's just like oh my God, yeah. one split <laughs> second and everything could have been so different. No, I know. And I just think, like you said, there's so much, there's so many layers to this, um, to this bed because it hit auction um, quite recently as well. Have, did you, do you know about that? No. So it was it was so it was bought by Charles Saatchi um, once it was displayed at Tate and it was sold in 2015 for the Charles Saatchi Foundation. So essentially the money was to go back in to sort of buy more art, but also to like have educational programs so people could come to his gallery and um, and understand his collection, which I think is a fairly good way of, of doing mm. it. But it was sold, it's now gone to a private collection. And it sold for two and a half million in 2015. And he bought it for 150,000 in 99, 2000. So it's quite a huge jump. For anyone listening, all the, the works that we talk about will be available to view on um, my Instagram page or also on my website as well. And there'll be links in the show notes below. So if you don't visually know what these look like, just have a, have a look at the links and you'll see them because it really is something you could study it for. For ages and I love what you said there about how you can almost smell it mm. <laughs> and can you remember your first sort of instinct when you when you saw it it was I think it literally was just something like oh my god what's this and I think it just yeah and I folded over the corner so I am a person who folds corners and writes nice. in books <laughs> um and yeah and I just folded over the corner. I just kept returning to it I kept returning to it and I um you know it was one of these like um compilation best of artists a to z one of those books um which i love and i think it's you know speaking about books being accessible to look at art i just find those books amazing um and um yeah soldiered over the corner kept returning to it um i didn't really have anyone at the time that i could talk to about any, any stuff like that so i didn't really engage in conversation until a few years later in a pub um art came up and um and I started doing some adult education courses by this point. So in photography. So I'd started to, you know, feel a little bit more creative. And um, and just the reaction from, yeah, so I really like this piece of work by Tracy Emin was, oh, my God. It was like, I just remember, like, putting my drink down thinking, what? Why are they so out outraged that I've just said this? And um, they thought it didn't have any merit. And, and that, so that was, so, yeah, I guess that work for me comes in two, in two pieces. So seeing it and just I guess being liking it on a very on a very naive and probably slightly pure level um with no with no context about the work and no context about the artist and um and then actually discussing it in public with someone um and realizing that um she is um actually very controversial because again it's like you know now we can go and google all this stuff but um in the olden days when you didn't really go and go on the internet or there wasn't internet or it was dial-up internet um you know you weren't just sort of accessing this sort of information I certainly wasn't um you know I was, I was taking art books to the call center and then I was going home and it was family life and I mean I think talking about the Turner Prize in 1999 I don't really remember I don't remember any of that happening at the time so I definitely discovered her work in this book a couple of years after that but I think it's just really interesting that, you know, I don't come from this arts background. Um, you know, I've mentioned I left school at 16. I've only got a few G GCSEs and um, I got a D in art because I'm crap at drawing, according to my art teacher. And, um, 
and uh, when actually I guess um, you know we mentioned that article um, on Tracy Emmons work and they were very scathing about her drawing so I hate to think what they think of mine um, <laughs> and I just find it really interesting that as someone who basically is a council estate kid teenage mum I tick all of the Daily Mail kind of readers won't like me boxes but I can connect with this piece of work for no other reason than opening a book and really liking it and I just think I wonder if sometimes the art world is scathing about Emin's work because it does have the potential to appeal to people who aren't necessarily arty people I don't know god I've never thought of it like that Carrie. that's amazing but when I when mm. I um when I would have looked at this this when I would have been looking at this art book I would had never been to an art gallery and I know that that sounds like a really lame thing to say but I know I just I, I would I'd never been to an art gallery and I probably would have only been to museums occasionally um and part of school trips well yeah that I was exactly the same even when I was studying art history I I was too scared to go into galleries because I I, I didn't feel I'm a bit like you I'm from a very working class mm. background I'm not my you know my mum's a teacher my dad's a joiner my only really experience of museums was like you said school trips um and I just didn't feel like I was welcome and when I even when I picked art history everyone on my course was really really posh and I just thought oh my god like I don't I don't fit in here and I, I re- it really made me worry that I had like started to fail essentially because I didn't fit into the box of what everyone else looked mm. like the art world is, is really bad at that but like you said you know Tracy's work you know and I think she doesn't I think nothing... she doesn't I think she going back to her being unapologetic I think you know I don't think she's she's ever apologized for her work and I don't think she's ever you know she belongs and I find that really inspiring that is that is this energy that you know she's like no I, I do belong in this world um even though you know some of the critics and the journalists I, I I think really imply that she doesn't or actually they don't imply some of them come out and say it don't they um but I just really like that no I you know I, I do belong in this world and this is my art and if you like it you like it and if you don't then you don't and I just think in uh, 2020 a year when most of us have been surrounded by home life in various states of tension and chaos and mess so you know I'm I'm yeah. sort of sitting here actually on my on my bed, ironically, because um, the downstairs room is noisy because there'll be buses going past. My husband turned the washing machine on in the room that I was going to do this podcast from. So it's like, ah, so here I am in my bedroom, which actually, frankly, is slightly teenager and a bit messy at the moment. And I just sort of look at not just that work, but a lot of her work and just think, you know, she's, you know, was she sending us a message from 1999 to the present? I loved when um, we first started talking about um, doing this podcast and I said to you also what Eamon worked and your instant reaction was her bed sums up 2020. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Oh my God, it's, it really does. Just everyone, you've just kind of given up a little, particularly it's now reached December and we're back mm. into many lockdowns or whatever tier we're in now you can't really keep up so you you do just kind of want to like sit in your bed and like wait till it's all yeah (laughs) yeah completely and I found lockdown too harder actually for some reason same I don't know if it's because it was not as light for longer but I also think for me why I struggled with it is because Boris was so like ah London won't go into tier three it's the capital we won't do that and then it happened and I just kind of feel like everyone, they gave everyone that sense of normality and everyone was kind of just about getting back in and swing of things and you had a rough idea of what it was looking like. And then then it was gone again. And I think that's 
what was why it's been such a struggle for me personally have that taste of freedom mm. and then take it away but it's um yeah I very much resonate with this and the, the pack suitcases I can just I'm like yeah I need to go away <laughs> whenever travel is safe again um it's such a it's such a profound piece and really relatable at any point I feel um, I love that when she makes it as well she physically gets into it and has a little sort of like wiggle around and then gets up let's move on then and talk about um some of Tracy's other pieces so you sent me a, a neon of Tracy's is is that something have you ever seen any of Tracy's work in real life have you gone to like, I an saw exhibition my bed or, at the tape um, and I haven't seen anything else oh wow and I, and it is it is that it's I hate to say it but it is that sort of thing of um not being in in London um all the time to be able to catch these things so I was I was splitting my time between Norwich and London as much as I could um pre-Covid Mm -hmm. um, but now I'm back in Norwich um, so we will see what the future holds um, as in where which city I will end up in uh, but what I quite like about Emin's work for Strawberry is that she does do a lot of public art so with the neon work um, which she first started creating in about 95 I think every, well I would like to say everybody loves neon but according to some of the critics they don't but yeah. I just think I don't know I don't know how can you not love neon I just think you know so she growing up in Margate surrounded by the seaside neon you know and I just think I grew up in Norfolk so for me my nearest neon would have been Great Yarmouth and uh, it's somewhere that I still go and it's just it's I just think you know I've probably been looking at uh, the neons of Great Yarmouth for a period of about 40 years I'm, I'm 43 so I've been going to the seaside quite you know for many years and I just don't think it ever gets old you know um, I really wanted to go to Margate and Blackpool this year, but COVID ruined that. So they're definitely on my list of places to go. But I just think neon for me is it is seaside memories. But it's also I, I'm really influenced by disco in my work. So it's disco mm. and it's that bar sign enticing me in. And I really wish I could go into a bar right now. It's, you know, it's that spinning of the fairground. It sort of reminds me of the late night trip to the corner shop. And, and even things like, um, you know, like nail bars have the flashing neons in the window. You know, even there's yeah. one down the road for me. I don't, I don't go in. It's not where I go. But every time I walk past, I want to see the neon sign flashing. So I just think it's something that's so familiar that I just really and and it's yeah it's just emotional I think it just evokes so many things and of course then Emin takes all of that all of those colours and um, she creates even more a layer of emotion by using words and emotions and phrases and I think what's really interesting about these is that it's actually her handwriting so it's really personal as well you know again it's that Emin touch in every single thing she does you know it's not a shark in a tank or I don't know it, I just feel like it feels like there's her fingerprints on everything that she does and I'm just surprised that people don't like this neon stuff to be honest because I just sort of think you know who doesn't like neon who doesn't like you know just nice words and poetry and what kind of person is getting personal now to the critics but what kind of person are you if if you can look at this and feel negative stuff do you know what I mean they remind me of sitting in class and when you doodle yeah. hearts and you'd be writing thoughts and you know I think most of us thought you know we were poets when we were 15 and uh, you know would keep notebooks and that's what that's what that really that's what this work really reminds me of completely agree with you with the whole sort of neon thing for me there's this sense of like familiarity with it there's this warmth this 
fun. So for me, my sort of real experience of of neon, just as you've mentioned, is Blackpool. My mum and dad were obsessed with the illuminations. They just thought it was amazing. So we would go down and we would just marvel at, you know, along the beachfront at all these lights and everyone sort of brands it as tacky. And I just love it. I've just got such memories of being there because like you said, how can it not make you happy? It's, it's like you said, the fun fair, you know, those sort of penny drop machines that you would go in and you would be like, oh, dad, please can I have 50 more pens to, you know, play in these machines? And yeah, I just think, and like you said, you know, she has that really lovely sort of personal, you know, snippet of things that she's written and then it's in her handwriting as well. And it's very sort of, very, I don't know, personal, moving sort of, um, comforting phrases sometimes sometimes it's very raw sometimes it's quite sexual but most of the time and particularly the one that, that you sent is it's I loved you more than I can love and I just think how could you not sit with that forever and not and and not mean anything to you or like you, you that you couldn't associate it with anybody or someone special well, there's a, like, the Glen Campbell song that I really love which is a line man and um and there's a line in that, which this uh, neon that I sent you, I loved you more than more than um, I can love, um, really reminded me of this Glen Campbell song and the lyric um, that always sort of makes me. <gasps> you know, do you ever have? Do you have any songs where it's like you hear a lyric and it's almost like, oh, it just you have to catch your breath. It's so beautiful. I always. Oh my god! It like yeah, in your I always soul. call them the, yeah. you know the lyrics I really wish I'd written. Not that I am a songwriter or not that I can perform music, but you know it's a bit like you never know. <laughs> it's a bit like being that you know fifteen year old who's a you know a romantic poet. I think you know most of us would love to be uh, you know Lady Gaga or something at some point in our lives. Um, but the Glen Campbell song, uh, the lyric is, "And I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time," and. I just, I just feel that, you know, that's, it's, you know, it's, an, it's, and I think with that, I loved you more than I can love, you know, it's, it's, it's words to make you feel and words to make you think as well. Um, and I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm finding it really hard to say anything negative. I know I'm coming across as a fangirl and I feel like I should be more kind of like, but. No, not at all. That's how you feel. And that's, it's coming across so genuine as well, Kerry. Like if you, and I, and I think if you came across something that you hated, you would also be like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I don't really like this. You, you know, it's, it's your experience with, with Emin that, you know, that I want to talk to you about. And that's the perfect, you know, it's the perfect, you're the perfect person to talk to. You know, you've got a great, sort of story of how you came across her and you know how these potentially have influenced what you do and, and how it sits with you personally because art is so personal that like you can look at that and and see something and think of someone whereas I can look at this sign and go oh, okay I, I like I like the meaning I'm still sort of maybe searching for my person that I can attach that to but it's still a beautiful thing and I think all her neons for me I think are so interesting as well and how she does actually one of the first um, pieces of art that I ever bought was a poster of a Tracy Emin or a print of a Tracy Emin neon um, and it's called love is what you want and it's one in a heart and I just think they just they can hit you in mm. such a way and everything's so personal like you could see that neon and it just doesn't do anything and you can turn a corner and see something different and it can just completely floor you and I think that's the power of Emin's work as well and like I said to you I really didn't understand what the, the deal was until I saw a 2019 show and ev I just everyone I spoke to I was like you have to get to White Cube you have to get to White Cube 
And like you were saying earlier about the whole, it's the problem of like not living in London, but see even people that live in London, like there's so much going on. You don't even see like a third of it just because it's there on your doorstep and you just think, ah, I'll, I'll get there eventually. And yeah, then before you finished. know it, it's gone. So it's um, happened many a time because I don't think I'm going to get to Tracy's one at the RA. Um, I think she's got a few going on. She's really well, actually. But she's quite good at like I think we we're going to say the same oh, thing. She's really old. prolific, isn't she? She's you know her yeah. the breadth of her work yeah. and you know and you know the volume of her work. You know she's she's she always seems to be creating something. She always seems to be somewhere. Um, you know and, and you know for anyone who doesn't know sort of like how wide her work is, it is installation, it is photography, it is painting, and it's drawing, and it's sculpture, and it's needlework, and it's video, and you know there's probably things that I've missed off that list. And I just find that really interesting that how she just approaches um, media and she will just keep, you know, keep making. It's, you know, I think that's, I think we hear a lot about, um, you know, we hear about artists and creatives who, you know, are tortured because they, 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 they feel that they're, they're not in making mode. And I'm sure that Tracy Emin has had plenty of those times, but um she did. I saw an interview her with. Um, she did. Oh, it was on this on YouTube. I'll send you the link. It's really interesting. She did it with um, Boy George. Oh yeah. And um, and she talks about you know how that she's she is a good businesswoman because you have to be. You know you can't. And um, there's another documentary. What do artists do all day? Which is a brilliant series. And you know she talked yeah. about having to go mm-hmm. and see her accountant and it being such a painful experience because it isn't what she wants to be doing. She wants to be making, but that is part of. The process um so she's you know she isn't just um a, a an artist she's also a really good she well, she seems to be a really good businesswoman as well you know she's very savvy and smart and wise um and from my own personal experience um being a creative and being a smart business person don't necessarily the two don't necessarily go hand in hand so to be able to constantly make work yeah. and market that and you know do all the media thing um is yeah she's she's quite incredible very um very studious yeah I completely agree with you and I think I think also Damien Hurst is a really good example of that because I'm not really a massive fan of Damien's work but what I say to people is I respect Mm. him as a businessman because he has become this brand and I think Eamon has managed to become this brand that you see her work and you're like oh yeah that's an Eamon you know you can pick it out of a lineup sort of thing and I think like you said she doesn't get enough credit for her business savvy attitude and how yeah just how she's just completely taking control of her career and I think it's I I do I think she's amazing and and she deserves everything that, that she has really and which is why I don't really understand why I wonder I don't know if it's because she's a woman I don't know if it's because she's so outspoken or you know doesn't really hold back she gets such stick from particularly quite a lot of Mm. male critics and you were amazing enough to send me that quite frankly hilarious uh, review in the Telegraph (laughs) of um, of her work in St Pancras um so what is the work in St Pancras yeah it's another so neat one in St Pancras in 2018 and um it was called it the words were I want my time with you and um it was a huge installation piece and um it was sounds like it was quite a bit of an engineering feat actually so although it was inspired by her neon work they actually had to use led lights because the neon would have been too heavy so 
again, I think that's something else that you don't think about when you're making an artwork. There are all of these practical things that you have to think about as well. So it was in St Pancras and um, it was pink, which um, also really seemed to piss off this um, this journalist or art critic. Um, and I haven't even looked at the comments <laughs> on the article. I've, I, you know, sometimes I'm just like, do I want to read the comments or don't? So I, I've left it for another day. Um, yeah. But yeah, the whole piece. Um, so the article was in the Independent. And so the whole article was basically covering the the grand reveal of Tracy Emmons' um, work at St Pancras. The whole piece comes across as really kind of spiteful. I think I don't think that can be overlooked. That is is this part of the issue. Um, with Emmons' work, um, that a lot yeah. of the, you know, perhaps a lot of the gatekeepers are, or I don't know, maybe they are less now, but they they were, potentially still are, male. And, you know, Tracy Emmons' work does come from a very female perspective. But the article in The Independent didn't like the fact it was pink, um, didn't like the message, mm. doesn't really seem to like Tracy Emmons as a person very much. I think they described her as being shouty or something like that. Yeah, and then they made a comment oh, about God, her like yes. wonky face. Snarly. Oh, I've just like, got up in front of me. Personable. She sets her face in that snarly, wonky, slightly com- combative look of hers. Sorry, I probably didn't read that right. Two more minutes, she calls. One more minute, 30 seconds. We're here to celebrate or at worst merely look at a new light work. And it's just like, and that's just the opening of it. So in the first, para- in the first um, paragraph, they've discussed her face and it's just like and this was only written in 2018 so this isn't like so we can't even kind of put this down to oh yeah well weren't things different 20 years ago oh and it says as well she loves the work she's made how how dare she as an artist be confident um and proud to have this piece of public um art for everyone to enjoy yeah what i thought was really interesting about the article is even when they were talking about sort of the champagne breakfast they were like the croissants and coffee was into infinity and i was like what does that what does that do to the art why is that do you think they just had a really bad day <laughs> i don't know but they just really I've honestly never read anything as scathing as this i particularly like the bit that um sort of further down it's he says i want my time with you and he's put it in bold and he says I isolated it like that, giving it a paragraph on its own, emphasising it in its bold type in order to let the profundity breathe for a moment. And you're like, oh, calm down. And then he goes, <laughs> yes, from today, hot and sweaty off the train, you can pause for a moment, push your smart wheel, your 50 kilos worth, moving with grinding remorselessness in the general direction of the roaming traffic, asphyxiated mystery of the Marlebone Road while glancing for a microsecond and, as you do, find yourself falling into the arms of Tracy's vague, lame, unloving wow. appeal. It is so bad, it's funny, isn't it? So for anyone listening, I'll, I'll leave the article to you. It's, it's really, I couldn't believe it when I, because I reread it this morning before we spoke and I was like, yeah, wow, that really was a scathing. And then, then he goes on to sort of slate everything else. But what's really interesting about this installation is it's part of a series in collaboration with the Royal Academy of Arts. And there's been four others previous to, or Tracy was the fourth. So one was um, Conrad Shawcross, who's also an RA sculptor. One was Ron Arad, that's, that was another sculptor. And then Rachel Whiteweeds. So I would really love to sort of go back and find what the independent had to say, not just particularly about the other sculptures, but particularly about the men, because I quite like this one. I don't think it's as powerful as perhaps of what Ron Arad's was, which if you if you didn't see it was essentially this silver um cylinder that sort of spun. It was very beautiful, 
but I also just think what a lovely thing to have when you when you come you know Emin said of it you know it's it's a train station it's where you meet your loved ones but also there can be this aggression you, you kind of take it how you will you can kind of be demanding someone that's away from work being like hi I mm. want my time with you you're always away or you can be like oh I've I've missed you. I can't wait to have our time together. Well, I think it's amazing back. to also have, and you know, art in a public space where, you know, even if you're just walking past it, you're still interacting with it in some way. You know, it's, I just think it take to take, you know, artwork out of a gallery. And I think, you know, we were saying earlier about being frightened to go into galleries. And I still do get very intimidated. Um, and I think it's, so do I. Like it's really difficult, but I think sometimes it is that working class thing. It's like, you don't belong or, it's not for the likes of us it's the sort of thing that my family would tell oh, that's not for the likes mm. of us is the sort of thing that my family would have said and that kind of yeah. um you know it does stay with me so I I said to you when we we're doing this I said right 2021 I'm going to channel some Emin energy into 2021 yeah but I love <laughs> the idea of putting artwork into a public domain and you know taking it you know taking the doors of a gallery away and just letting people yeah. enjoy it interact with it and you know and it's free well, that's it. And mm. let them come to their own opinion as well. Like, you know, and maybe you won't look at it and go, oh, that's a Tracy Emin. And maybe you'll just look at it and go, oh, that's a really nice sign. It doesn't matter. You're still experiencing it in your own well, way. Well, I just think this this writer in The Independent, who may well be an absolutely lovely person, but I just think this article is just so, it's just so miserable, isn't it? And I sort of just think, I just, oh, no, it's just yeah, it's just it's just a really miserable piece. Um, but it is, it's sort of so miserable. That's why I was laughing when you were reading it. It wasn't because what he was saying was funny. It's just proper sort of grumpy bear, isn't it? It's just like, oh, my God. 100%. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd be very interested to know what Tracy Emin um, thought of it if she read it. Um, no, absolutely. She, oh, do you know what? She's probably used to it, though. She's probably, she's so, un, like you said previously, she's so unapologetic and quite mm. rightly so. She's the one laughing. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything to her. She'll go back to one of her houses in the south of France or whatever. I'm sure she's not lost much sleep at night over, <laughs> over this. But yeah, um, so... Kerry, we've touched really briefly on um, how you've come across Tracy, and you've mentioned that you yourself, you are a photographer. Um, do you feel that Tracy has in any ways maybe influenced you in what you do, or has, has she been an influence, or she's inspired you in some way? You know, like you said, the neons, and you really love sort of the disc, disco yeah, I would say of your work. As a, as, a, as, a, as a person and an energy, um, she's inspired me. She hasn't directly inspired any of my work, but from kind of preparing for this and going back and looking at some of her other work, there's some really interesting kind of things that she's done. Like she did a series called, I might get the title of this wrong now, but Trying On My Friend's Clothes. Um, and that was something in the 90s where, you know, okay. that's... So I work a lot with secondhand clothes and vintage fashion. And I just found that really interesting because lots of my work does include my my friends or models like wearing my clothes or wearing you know uh, stuff from my my styling rail I'm making my styling rail sound really glamorous what my styling rail is is all the cool second hands of vintage clothes I like that won't fit me I put them on my rail knowing I'll do a shoot because I just love them so much so I just found that really interesting that work and I haven't been able to actually find any details on it really I don't know because it's, it's so early I think it was 95 so it's an installation piece of about 60 65 polaroids of her trying on it's either her friend or her friend's clothes. So I've, I've made a note to actually add that to my research for my work. So I would say in terms of okay. work she's produced inspiring me, I would say it hasn't been a direct influence, mm -hmm. but there's definitely um, her as an energy is 
I think is she it's inspirational and yeah and just from going back through her work and in the strange land book she mentions about she mentions disco and how much she loved dancing so I'm just kind of like okay that's really interesting and there's a couple of ideas I've had that I'd like to do that involve disco um so I'm like oh okay yeah so I think work she has produced in the past is going to start becoming an influence I think as I find my way through because yeah. I graduated in 2017 so I still feel quite um I still feel quite I think well I think everyone's just gonna like treat 2020 as a gap year we didn't want so I still feel quite new out of university really so yeah it's just it's just a great time to 2020 has been good in some ways to kind of you know it's given me the opportunity to do this for example you know I, I picked up Strangeland off my bookshelf mm-hmm. which I've had on my bookshelf for about three years so yeah so I think it's an it, it will be an ongoing influence yeah and also I didn't I didn't know that you were the person that sort of sourced your own um your, the clothing for your work you've got such a, a great eye Kerry I must say like um yeah so I'm excited to see in the future what what's going to come uh, particularly if there's sort of Emin inspired or well I know, think what I like pieces yeah I mean I think with Emin what I <laughs> really nice find inspiring is just her her not being afraid to try different materials and so I do photography but I've also been using moving image and my degree show included installation as well so I guess the influence is that she helps me think beyond the frame she helps me think beyond photography what materials I can Mm. use and you know and I'm now looking at how I can introduce music to my work and um, yeah so I guess she inspires me to be bold and be braver which is quite a good thing to be inspired to do isn't it oh I love that Kerry, thank you so, so much for coming on and talking to me about Emin and your story with her and some of her very sort of key important works. Before you go, um, where can people so find you? So you can find me on Instagram, do? which is my name, Kerry Curl. And um, my website is kerrycurl.com. And if anyone wants to email me, um, I'm always um, happy to have creative chats. So you can get in touch with me at hello at kerrycurl.com. And if anyone has any particularly interesting swirly carpets that they don't want, that they can get to Norwich, I am looking for some at the moment. So just a public appeal for the kind of carpets everyone throws in the skip. Um, I'm open to offers. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. So Always per- touting for Swirly carpets. Um, so my final question, Kerry, uh, before you go... Um, it is the Joe's Art History podcast after all and I've been trying to remember to ask my guests this I think I'm about 50-50 at the moment but my last question and it's quite a big one so you can take it as sort of wide or as personal to you as you want um, but my final question is why is art oh, that is a big question okay so um, art is important mm. because it gives us permission to be curious and it's an umbrella for so many things it's a picture on a wall, it's a film, it's music, it's fashion, it's politics. And, you know, that's just the, that's just the starting point of what art is and what it can be. Um, so it's not, that is not an extensive list. And um, I think the history of art allows us to go back and explore who influenced our influences, um, which I think is a pretty amazing space to allow yourself to travel through. So one of Emin's influences is Egon Schiele, and I hope I pronounced that okay. I did Google it, and everyone seemed to be pronouncing it differently. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I'm the same. Google Translate when it comes to things like this. So Egon Schiele influences Tracy Emin's work, and also was an influence on David Bowie. So, fun fact: Egon Schiele um, influenced the Heroes album um, that Bowie made. So I just find it, yeah, I know. I just love these little details. So I just find it really interesting. That's one artist inspiring two artists producing totally different work. 
And I think that's why art and art history is important because it's interesting to know these things. Amazing. Kerry, thank you so much. You answered that beautifully. I love asking people that question because everyone takes it in such a different way. But it, again, it just always shows the sort of, you know, the breadth of where art sits with people and, and why it can be important for, for different people. So thank you so, so much, Kerry. And please, everyone, go and check Kerry out on Instagram and her amazing photography and any swirly carpet. Thank you so much for having Norwich. me on your show. <laughs> thank you. And there you have it, the end of another episode of the Joe's Art History Podcast. I would just once again like to take this time to thank Kerry for coming on and talking to me about the incredible Tracy Emin. We had a really interesting conversation and I really hope you do go away and read about Tracy for yourself. She is a really interesting character and like Kerry said, really forward thinking in the art world and the issues about mental health and womanhood really and not shying away from what is considered or was considered quite taboo topics particularly round about mental health as always all the images that we discussed during the podcast can be viewed via my instagram page which is joe's art history or you can view them on my website which is www.joesarthistory.com I would also seriously recommend that you check out Kerry on Instagram, that's Kerry Curl, and as well as her website. I'll leave links to both of them in the show notes below. And like I said in the podcast, she has an incredible eye for fashion and learning that she herself coordinates and curates, if you will, all the outfits that she shoots is very impressive and just adds to the beauty of these incredible images and installations which I just think is amazing so please go check her out her work is incredible if you'd like to get in touch you are very welcome to you can email me joesarthistory at gmail.com or you can contact me via instagram as Kerry said if you want to get in touch with Kerry I'll leave a link to her email address below as well in the show notes and a final call out for any of those incredible rugs that Kerry is looking for. If you have any, then please do let her know. It would be a big help. And you never know, it might end up in a fashion shoot. Very exciting times. As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've learned a little something during this episode. I know I definitely have. And I will see you next time on the Joe's Art History Podcast. Until then, keep learning and remember... Art is for all.